welcome everyone to the very first episode of Incognito Podcast. We're a small group of people who God willed to work together to achieve a bigger goal, a goal to provide help against one of the worst diseases and unspoken nightmares that our society is facing today. We're a team that is passionate towards presenting the truth about pornography and spreading factual information about its harmful effects and research and studies done on the subjects. We aim to help our audience reach freedom from this destructive habit using our podcast, real-life testimonies, and spiritual reflections. Incognito is a judgment-free zone. We invite anyone and everyone who's needing of help and or looking to be heard and get the help, reach out with full faith and confidence. My name is Bashoy. My name is Rami. My name is Andrew. And welcome everyone to the very first episode of Incognito. Incognito, where we talk about the darkest secret, the intimacy killer, and the way to freedom. And today we will talk to you about the first testimonial that we got. The story that you're about to hear is real. It did happen and still going on. Rami will talk to us about that first story. The story is about a person who struggled with pornography since they've come to America from Egypt. Just like many of the people in the Coptic Church, people that started their lives here when they were young and were introduced to American culture and the stuff that in our Coptic culture and Egyptian culture don't talk about often, are not educated on, and are not introduced to at appropriate ages. A lot of the stuff is quote-unquote taboo. We don't talk about it. Um, the story here is by a gentleman named Fisher. Obviously, it's not the real name, but we're going to use it in order to analyze it and see what we can benefit from. We can learn about how Fisher was introduced to pornography. We can learn about how he realized that this is something he needs to get rid of. And we can learn about some of the things that it affected, how it affected him uh, spiritually, mentally, and uh, just in everyday life, it consumed him. Let's dive in right away. Let's see what we can get from it, and God willing, it's uh, a lot. It's going to help a lot of people. Starting the story now. My name is Fisher. Okay, my name's not really Fisher, but I desperately wanted to share my struggle with all of you. In our Coptic culture, that's not as simple as it sounds. That's because I've struggled with porn for the last 13 years. The only people that know about this are my father of confession, my best friend, and now you. Not only is it cathartic for me to share my story, I'm hoping that God willing, it will help any of you going through a similar struggle. I came from Egypt when I was 11, and within the first six months of arriving, I found out about porn. I didn't make a lot of friends right away, but the friends I did make tried to teach me some English words that I didn't know. For example, when the eighth grader on the bus called me something using foul language, they explained to me that this word is a derogatory term of a small female dog. When they were talking about a certain scene from a movie that sounded like it had to do with the number six, they went on to further explain that it was actually pronounced sex. Long story short, that's when I learned about sex and porn. Fairly early in my life, right? It started off fairly light. I learned how to look up pictures on my mom's laptop when she thought I was doing homework. I learned a few tricks from my friends at school, like how to delete my search history. From there, pictures weren't enough. I started searching porn and explored what came up. It wasn't long before masturbation and porn were a regular part of my routine. Unfortunately, I knew it was wrong, and my parents, avoiding the subject like the plague, didn't help. My parents took me to church as much as they could. I began to make friends there as well, and I wanted to serve. I wanted to take pre-surfing classes, and I wanted to be a teacher in Sunday school just like some of the other youth. My spiritual life was separate from my secret life. The porn continued, 
as I became a Sunday school teacher. The porn progressed as I began to teach the children about the evils of porn. The porn didn't stop when I confessed and repented. It would always come back. My talks with my father of confession were almost a cyclical routine. I'd confess saying as little as possible, sometimes even afraid to say the actual word porn or the word masturbation. Away from church, even sometimes right after church, my mind was on porn. I was consumed by it. Girls I saw at school were mentally transported to my computer screen to where I pictured them in the pornographic scenes. My memory was so saturated with porn that at times I didn't need a screen or electronic device in order to masturbate. I just thought about it. Fast forward a few years and college came and went. It felt like my education was just a distraction from my secret life of watching porn and trying to recreate what I saw with any girl I met. I lived at home during college. I can't even imagine what I would have done if I lived alone on campus. After college, I started working right away. I'd find myself coming home after a work meeting and watching pornographic videos that remind me of female co-workers. I've gotten in trouble with my superiors for not finishing my work. The reason I didn't finish, I was too busy secretly browsing porn at work. I had tried to stop a few times, but it would always I would always go back to it. Still, I talked with Abuna. My language improved throughout the years, and now I would say stuff like, I continue to struggle with my sin, Abuna. One day after I repeated my go-to phrase, Abuna just looked at me and said, Are you? Are you really continuing to struggle? I said, Am I what, Abuna? Like, you know, what do you mean by this? He said, Are you actually struggling? That was it. No, that wasn't the day I stopped watching porn. That was the day I realized I had stopped actually struggling with every meaning of the word struggling. If I'm being honest with myself, I stopped struggling a long time ago before that moment. A series of events, conventions, and personal reflections within a short span of this revelation that made me realize something much, much worse. I loved this sin more than I loved God. I'm gonna say it again. I loved this sin more than I loved God. That still hurts for me to say. And I'm not really sure how to explain it. But the moment I finally admitted this to myself was the moment I began to heal. It is the moment I've continued to struggle instead of just putting it on a back burner. And I've admitted this to my father of confession. And I've admitted this in my prayers to God. Granted, I'm still struggling. I'm 24 years old now and I still fall. This isn't to dispel you of hope. On the contrary, I feel like I'm finally putting up a fight. It's easy for me to say this to you now because I know that it's not my own strength that I'm using in this struggle. I've realized, actually, that I have no strength to struggle. As a human being, I don't have any strength at all. The moments I rely on my own strength are the moments that I fall. God, our wonderful Heavenly Father, sent His only begotten Son and the gift of His Holy Spirit in order to give me strength. It's cliche as a statement, but his strength is anything but. In fact, the strength that he gives is specifically for me. Anyways, I will probably get into this part another time. Right now, I'm still struggling. I'm still fighting. I'm still trying to find strength in him to stop. One day, I dream to be porn free. I know I'm not alone in this. I know we all keep it hidden and we all keep it secret. Maybe now you won't feel alone anymore. 
that's it. This is Fisher's story. Wow, what, what, a, what a powerful story. Fisher, if you're listening to us, thank you so much for having the courage to share this with not just with us, but with everyone who's listening. You, you know, Romy, when you're reading the story, like what I really liked was the fact that he admitted something we struggle to admit on a daily basis. He really said that he loves the sin more than he loves God. Well, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? It's the most difficult thing you can do because a lot of us as Christians do not want to admit anything that is remotely close to that. Can you believe how blasphemous, can you just imagine how blasphemous to say, I love something else more than I love God? As kids, we're programmed to say, who do you love first? Jesus, right? In, in any country, in any place, this is not about America or Egypt or any other place, I love God first, right? I love God more than my mom. I love God more than my dad. I love God more than my, more than my brothers and my friends and my video games and everything. And as we grow up, this is what we're programmed to say. But do we really? Do we love sin less than we love God? Do we plan for God and sacrifice things in our life in order to spend time with him? Or do we have God as a hobby? I'll read the Bible so I can feel good. I'll pray because I need something. But First and foremost, I'm going to plan for my sins, specifically with this issue that we're talking about here. Just like you saw with Fisher, it consumed his life. He couldn't focus on work. He couldn't, he couldn't focus on his college. His college was a distraction. It was simply just something to do so I can get back home and watch my stuff. His interactions with people just were a way for him to drive his habit, his first true love. And he finally came to this realization where I know it's a sin and I know that it's bad, but I'm not fighting this. I'm just embracing it. I'm accepting it. Bishoy, it is crazy for someone to say, I love this sin more than I love God. But that is where we should start. And that is, when you make that realization, just like Fisher said, that's when the healing starts. You're right, Rami. I mean, like, that's absolutely true. It's once you made that realization, it is so much easier for any one of us to start struggling, to start fighting, because we know what the problem is. Now, I've read something online, though. It was very true. It says something around like, it is easier to raise like a healthy child or a good child rather than heal a broken man. And it really references porn here. And I think if we really want to start from the very beginning is that kids should learn about sex and about porn. They are completely two different things. You know, when we talk about sex and we talk about it as porn, then they are kind of doing just one variation of sex. But the truth is, they are two different things. Born misguides you. Sex is a holy thing that was created by God. You know, people sometimes talk about it like it's two different things. From us, you know, as, as mentors or, or Sunday school teachers, it's very important that we take it from there. I mean, in our culture, it, it is such a taboo to talk about sex or porn. Um, I mean, the, the problem is anything except the lack of guidance. Facts are easy. And without really the sensitivity in the topic, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. Just as long as we really take the courage to talk to our kid. I mean, I'm not a father, but if you're a parent and you're listening to us, don't be afraid to talk to your kids about porn and sex. Now, that's just go to with parents, right? It also goes with any capacity when you're teaching younger generations. Build that relationship with trust. I mean, if you look at Fisher's story, the people who knew about it was his father of confession and his best friend. Why his best friend? Because he, were, he was able to build that trust with him that he was able to tell him something like that. 
if we build that relationship with the younger generations who are trying to learn something about this world and this life, we can and we should help them go there. I mean, Andrew, like, can you just like talk to us like about the idea of how, how it affects the kids psychologically? Like, does it really put them in trauma when they learn about like sex or porn from before like they have the talk with their parents? Or is it like something that's normal and, and okay to, to go through it? No, of course, uh, Bishoy. I mean, just like you said, w once Fisher had learned of words like sex, he dug deeper and deeper, and before you know it, he began watching porn, and now he can't go a day without it. So th this leads our minds to develop this attribute called association. Essentially, this means that learning this behavior brings a positive feeling. For example, there's no reason why a pet dog should get excited when the owner approaches the kitchen pantry. Now, if that dog observes that the owner always gets the box of dog treats every time she goes into the pantry, the dog will begin to learn or associate that this behavior, which is the owner going to the pantry, will lead to something pleasurable, which in this case is the dog treats. So the same applies with porn. Fisher mentioned that, that after leaving church, his mind was already on porn. His mind already was associated to the point that it will overcome any other thought he had even being at church. We associate sin with the pleasurable moments during watching porn, but we forget the good that God does for us at the same time. If we experience something new that feels good enough times, we associate or learn that these things go together. All right, that, that makes perfect sense. Isn't that what was called um, Pavlov's experiment or something like that with the dog and the ringing or whatever? Yeah, I mean, that, that explains it perfect. And that's the thing. I feel like if we talk to our kids about sex, they wouldn't be in that shock. Okay, my dad or my mom, who I trust, and is coming to talk to me about like something important. I'm not going to be in shock when I go and I know what to expect instead of being so, so curious about something and learn it from all the wrong resources. That makes perfect sense to me. I mean, I personally think about it this way. Like, it's kind of like if you have a problem with your body, you know, like not like a medical problem, you're not going to go to a mechanic. You're going to go to a doctor. Now, imagine if you have a problem with your car. Are you still going to go to the doctor? No, you're going to go to the mechanic. So in my opinion, go to where the resources are going to take you to the best education. And no one can teach our kids about porn and sex more than parents and more than us if you're a Sunday school teacher or if, like I said, at any capacity you're teaching your kids. Let's educate our children so that they are not lost in the way. Let's not let the media do our job. All right. Um, I mean, back to what Romy was saying when he, when he was talking about like loving sin more than God, how do we even get there? Like, we are baptized literally so young. I mean, if, if, you're, if you're a Christian and you're, you're baptized pretty young, how do we even get there that we love the sin more than we love God? Where does the, where does the chance come from for that to happen? So you have to look at this from a series of questions, right? And, and the, the ultimate goal, we, we can kind of reverse the process here. You're questioning why. That means I'm supposedly pretty far or pretty semi-successful in my spiritual life, but at the same time, I have a realization and I said to myself that I love sin more than I love God. How did I get to this point? Let's look at it from the reverse. First of all, let's look at it like this. Let's look at it, how to love God more than sin. In order to get to that level, in order to reverse the equation, you have to ask yourself, 
Why do we love sin more than God? Sin is quote unquote good. Not to say that we should do sin. No, we shouldn't sin. But it is quote unquote. Sin is enjoyable. Sin provides temporary happiness, which is different from the eternal peace and joy that we receive from our Lord Jesus Christ. We even might have a desire to stop it. We don't want to sin anymore because we hate the shame that it brings. But we choose sin because of the earthly pleasure that it gives. We do this sin in order to continue our pleasures. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you think about it, we lie to protect ourselves. We steal to be rich. We hurt others to empower ourselves. We indulge in sexual desires in order to pleasure the flesh. So every time we sin, we're trying to attain some earthly pleasure. This is why we love the sin, because we have a deep desire for the earthly rewards that it brings us. Whether this reward is temporary or not is, is irrelevant to why we love it, but we just want it. So the sin that we love in this particular case is porn. You know, sexual desires, pornography. Now, according to the Coptic Addiction Awareness Ministry, CAAM, they provide a definition of porn. And it states in their uh, letter, what is pornography? Pornography is, quote, printed or visual material containing the explicit description or display of sexual organs or activity intended to stimulate erotic rather than ascetic or emotional feelings, end quote. The types of porn that are out there are opposite sex couple, same sex couple, group sex with violence, rape, strangulation, BDSM, uh, bondage, domination, sadistic, and masochistic, pedophilia, which is sex with children, zoophilia, which is sex with animals, and necrophilia, sex with dead bodies. That is the definition that they provide. Now, how do we love this sin more than God, right? How how are we in this cycle, right? Just like when, if you think back of, with Fisher, he was in this cycle of sin where he didn't get out of it, didn't know how to get out of it, and didn't even want to admit that this cycle exists. This cycle of sin is presented in the book of Judges. If we remember back in the book of Judges, when the Israelites were in the Canaan land, which is the promised land that Abraham promised them, they were warned by Moses and Joshua before they both died that they need to be resilient in the face of temptations so that God does not leave them in this promised land, the Canaan land. However, after inhabiting the Canaan lands, the Israelites were disobedient and they worshiped other gods and oppressors would then rule over the Israelites, which is symbolism of that God would kind of keep his hand away from his people. After they would fall with oppressing, with oppressions and stuff like that, they would cry out to God to save them. And then God would raise a judge, because in the book of Judges, it was all about the judges that were sent from God, to deliver his people. And after some time, they would fall back into their sinful ways. This is the cycle of sin which Samuel wrote the book of Judges and he describes it as the cycle of sin because of our love for sin. So if you ever ask yourself, well, okay, I love sin, and you sort of get your head around it. Well, how do I love sin? This is how you do it, is when you stay in that cycle of sin. The next question would be, why do we need to love God and let go of this sin? What's the purpose? I can give you the easy answer and tell you because of the eternal kingdom and uh, it's good and, and you should love God with all your heart and all your soul. I can give you this really, really easy answer. But if you really dive into it, you can see that it is really destructive. This cycle of sin, specifically when it comes to pornography, is one of the most destructive things in life. For your spiritual life, for your mental stability, 
for everything. In Matthew 5, 27 to 30, this is Christ speaking. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This was verses 27 and 28. So Christ compares the action of adultery and says that it's the same when we look at someone and lust for them sexually. He's speaking about the selfish promptings of lust. However, thoughts that enter the mind involuntarily are not sins, because we're human beings. But temptations, right? These thoughts are temptations. These temptations become sins when they are held and entertained. And it is the same cycle of sin that we're in. So what does Christ say to this cycle of sin, right? These temptations and to uh, getting out of this cycle. He says, this is now still Matthew 5, verses 29 to 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you than one of your members perish, than your whole body be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you than one of your members perish, than of your whole body, for your whole body to be cast into hell. It's a very, very simple verse, but at the same time, why is it so aggressive? Christ is just saying, stop doing sins, but why is he saying so aggressive? Cut it off, pluck it out. Very painful imagery. Christ instructs us to respond to these temptations by taking decisive action to avoid sin and to continue to impurity. To avoid the cycle of sin and get out of it as soon as possible he speaks of sexual lusts as a means to be cast into hell and therefore we must let go of the sin and not love it more than God so this answers the question why do we need to love God and let go of this sin why do you need to get out of the cycle of sin specifically contained when it comes to pornography because Christ starts talking about being cast into hell right after he mentions that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart he puts the same the two on the same pedestal right meaning it's a very very bad destructive sin that can lead you away from the kingdom of heaven so we know why we love the sin more than god we know how we love the sin more than god and we know why we need to stop it so christ puts the category or the sin of lusting at a woman lusting looking at a woman lusting for her, being tempted and acting upon it through watching pornography. This is essentially what it means in our modern times. And he says that this is the same thing that will lead you into hell. So you should stop doing it and stop doing it in an aggressive way. Pluck out your eye, cut off your hand. Very, very painful and aggressive imagery in order for us to understand that this is the most destructive, one of the most destructive things in our spiritual life. And you ask yourself, well, why is it so destructive? Why is this the worst, one of the worst possible sins that you could be stuck on in a cycle. What do you think, Choi? I love what you said about, like, going back to the, the cycle part, you know, like, the how destructive it is. And I think that the main part of why it's destructive is before we know it, before we realize it, we're already done that cycle too late. We're doing exactly what the people of Israel did, like you mentioned earlier, too, in the book of Judges. You know, they fall... They put in tribulation so that they can go back to God. And then when they go back to God, life is good. So they fall again into sin and on and on and on and on. But I really I really don't have an answer to why it's destructive. But just something that really kind of like go along with it. It's not just that it's destructive. 
people don't even realize it. A lot of people don't realize it. They had a study done past year on college campuses. Percentage of students who find porn to be acceptable went up from 36% in 2018 to 43% in 2019. It's a crazy jump. In my opinion, it's it's nuts. This is that's a, it's a lot that's like well, by 2020 we're gonna like and now with quarantine and we passed by all that i'm pretty sure more people have watched porn uh, is the percentage gonna go higher i i hope not but it seems like it's going that route but uh, going back to your question is why is it structured I, I think andrew has has a better um explanation of why is it more destructive is it, is it a destructive habit right so one thing we have to look at is uh, psychologically, it, it affects our minds, uh, and there's a term, it's called novelty. Uh, our minds remember things better when we experience something for the first time. This develops into a curiosity that happens automatically for us to keep going and explore deeper. Now this could be a positive thing when we do things like learning in school or performing job tasks for the first time, but when it comes to porn, it's unhealthy for us. The images and videos are infinite and you could spend a lifetime viewing this and never experiencing the same once twice. Fisher mentioned that coming to America, he started to be exposed to pornography through learning words like sex from his friends when they talked about it in a movie. This probably made him curious and he wanted to know further about sex, which unfortunately would lead to porn. Careful before you do things for the first time. You, you might think that your mind is is you know telling you okay let me just try this and it's not going to happen again you know just because my friends are doing it but you never know you know you could you could dig yourself deeper and before you know it you're addicted no, that's very true uh yeah and, and it, the thing is like born just like any i mean we're gonna learn from you know future episodes how addictive it is of a habit um and I mean, people already, or some people already know that it is addictive, but, but like, like I said, we were going to talk about it in the future, but when we talk about how addictive it is, it reminded me of smoking. Smoking was acceptable back in the 50s, back in the 60s, uh, and people did it. It was a social thing, you know, like you, you want to start a conversation with someone, hey, you want a cigarette? It's just normal, you know, you watch movies, you watch shows from this age and time, and you see people doing it all the time in the streets, you know? But it was like that until like the late 60s, early 70s, when people started to learn about its harmful effects. One of my friends were uh, in, in Europe last Christmas, and when they came back, the first thing, when we were talking about their trip, the first thing they mentioned was the idea that people smoke a lot in Europe, much more than America. We realized that like it's because in America, and this is absolutely great. When kids are very young, they teach them about the harmful effects of smoking. I might be hopeful, but I think that one day pornography will be in the same basket as smoking. People are going to realize, oh, it's harmful. It's not good. And, you know, there are other school of thoughts. Like someone who would say, oh, do you have any idea how much revenue a porn gets every year? Yeah, billions of dollars every year. Billions with a B. Well, smoking made millions of dollars. Everyone was smoking. But people realized that, wait a minute, no, it shouldn't be that acceptable. Um, it's, it's harming me. It's not good. I'm going to stop it. That's what people thought. I might be hopeful, but I think one day people will think like that. So I'll add on that. 
at some point, tobacco, smoking, cigarettes, and all that stuff, nobody thought anything of it. And, and just like you said, a whole bunch of statistics came out, a whole bunch of scientific research proved that it can cause you cancer. Actually, really, really bad for you. And then it became more of a financial issue. I think the difference with porn, and I think the difference with the spiritual struggle more than anything, is that, yes, it will become a financial issue, because it already is, and I'm sure we're gonna talk about that and the industry of porn and, 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 and all these people that are involved in it and how much billions of dollars of revenue gets to the economy. And that's why everybody looks the other way. Um, specific states, it's little, it's pretty much legalized prostitution. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, there's no questions about it. That, that's just what it is. But, you know, if you think about it in the future, unless we approach this from a godly perspective, unless we approach it from a, with, a, with Christian values and Christian motivation, it, it will forever be something that, well, it brings good money, doesn't cause any diseases, and we're good to go, right? I mean, that's, I fear that that's what society is going to portray it as. And, and, and if anybody ever comes up, if a politician ever came up and says, decides to draft some bill in Congress and say, well, you know, let's get rid of porn. This, and then it's bad, right? It's, it's bad. It goes against our Christian values in America or any other country or whatever. Someone will get up and say, well, it doesn't harm anybody. So I think in order for this to really become, like, in order to start a wave of let's be free from this, right, and stop sexualizing everything, because, you know, porn sells. Sex sells. Yeah. That's what the marketing research is. Yep. I'm not a marketing expert, but I know for a fact that when I watch a Pepsi commercial, it's just a bunch of models trying to sell me some Pepsi. At some point, I don't even want Pepsi, yeah. right? So as long as you start fighting it from that perspective where you don't have to sell it with everything and you stop thinking about the revenue and you look at it from a spiritual perspective, that's how you start to criminalize it just like tobacco or drugs, right? That's how you know Ronald Reagan started the war on drugs. If you want a war on porn, you have to highlight and expose the harms of it mentally ritually and and all the above that's how i think it's going to be something that people would want to get rid of and so that's how you can get behind a movement that will try to get rid of it just like every, a lot of commercials are coming out now saying don't smoke cigarettes don't don't vape any any of that stuff i'm not well versed in the world of drugs but i know that there's a lot of commercials against it and there used to be a lot of commercials for it how do we make that jump you discovered the harms Expose the harms, highlight it, educate the public and yourself, and boom, now you're on the same path against, just like you were against cigarettes and stuff like that. No, that's true. And, and it's very, I like how you, you mentioned like the idea of once people know about the harmful effects and there's like, you know, movements out there, and we're not the only people talk about the harmful effects of pornography. There are a ton of studies out there that we're going to be referencing. We're going to be mentioning in, in our podcast, on, a, on our website. I mean, they are, there are a lot of organizations and a lot of movements, religious and non-religious, uh, legislative and non-legislative. And like I said, a lot of um, psychology studies, a lot of just data that shows how harmful pornography is. That's, I, th I think we are already one step in the way closer to you know just expose pornography to everyone all over the world and we just we need to keep supporting this cause and we need to keep moving forward and just helping those around us who wants to be free and help the other organizations in every way that we can reach that freedom from porn addiction one day amen brother
Amen. I'm with you 100%. I also think that uh, the reason why when people watch porn and they realize that, you know, it's okay that I'm, I'm watching porn, it, it, as far as that particular action compared to other, like smoking or doing drugs, those things are more tangible as far as how it hurts you, you know, and how the harmful effects. With porn, people are thinking, you know, hey, what's wrong with me watching porn? I'm, I'm just watching a video. Of, you know, I'm not hurting anybody. I mean, I'm, I'm doing it by myself in my room. It's not harming anybody. So, and that's what, that's why I think it's tricky compared to, you know, drugs. That, you're hurting your, you're actually hurting your body. It's gonna hurt you mentally. In the long run, it'll it'll hurt you with the relationships you have. So it's a little bit hard for society to study this and and figure out how is it really harming somebody. It's difficult for mainstream, the mainstream, uh, to get behind it because, as you said, just doing it by myself, not really harming anybody, not even including anybody. But if you remember in Fisher's story, he talked about this. He talked about how it was ruining his work life. College was just a distraction from his regular life. And he, he, he couldn't finish his work. His mind was preoccupied with so many things that, you know, he, he couldn't function anymore. And, 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 and you say to yourself, well, what's the big deal? You can just kind of control yourself a little bit and keep going to work, keep going to school, keep doing what you have to do. And that's it. Hello, Siani. What's the big deal? But in reality, between man and woman in marriage, it kills it. It destroys it. Porn is responsible for a huge percentage of divorces out there. Breaks up families destroys children's lives and if you get exposed mm -hmm. enough early enough it will really be a part of your life and you know I know many people many people who are struggling with it today for over 25 30 40 years and they have small victories but a lot of losses it, it ruins your life it really it really is a killer of many sorts absolutely absolutely I remember Terry Crews once was saying um, and he's yeah he the, the man is unbelievable just unbelievable. you know with like uh, advocating like against pornography and he, he himself was suffering from porn addiction addiction and he he said it he said it was almost leading to my divorce mm -hmm. so it does hurt relationships it does hurt your brain it does hurt you in every way so yeah you no know absolutely about terry cruz is one of the most strongest christians that uh, we have in american society one yep. of the most successful and strongest christians very true who does everything well, through the grace of God, everything in glory Absolutely. to God. So he's a great example for anybody out there that doesn't know Derek Cruz. I'm sure you all know him. Look him up besides his acting career. One of the most influential people out there. I agree. For him to be an advocate, an advocate against porn, is, is it speaks a lot to the negatives and harms of it. Yes. Go ahead, Short. Absolutely. No, I mean, you said it all. That's pretty much it. Well, everyone, uh, thank you so much for tuning in for our first episode of Incognito, just uh, telling you that uh, Incognito is brought to you by Pigori Productions, so please check their website. They have a lot of other brands, uh, the other podcast, The Narrow Gate, um, and a lot of other uh, services that's provided uh, by Pigori Productions. I just wanted to tell you, if you uh, want to share your story, uh, just like Fisher, um, like you saw, it's going to be completely anonymous. We're going to change the name, location, anything that shows who you are. Just email us at incognito at pigoriproductions.com. Again, that is incognito at pigoriproductions.com. P-I-G-O-R-I productions.com. Uh, again, I would like to thank you. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit the like button, hit the subscribe, and turn notifications on. 
Um, check all the links down below for references for this episode, for all our social media platforms and our website. If you're watching on SoundCloud, please like the video and repost it. You never know who needs to hear this message. But I will leave you with the thought that the ultimate way to freedom is to seek God. Because as he promised, when we cry, he heals. Again, thank you so much for tuning in for the first episode. See you all next time. Have a blessed night.